Hey everybody, welcome back. I wanted to go through a safer, which is a very, very, um, I want to give a trigger warning. It's a very, very heartbreaking, but also heartwarming safer at the same time. And as soon as I tell you the title and the context, I think you'll understand. And it's called Voices of Consolation by Enochim David. And it's put out by Israel Bookshop by a friend of mine, Rav Daniel Hexter, who's a phenomenal person and who took the loss of his family, him and his wife and their wonderful family lost a child named uh, David, who was a very, very special child who had major, major um, health issues throughout his entire life and passed away very tragically. Um, what Rav Daniel did was he basically... Uh, compiled lots of um, of uh, letters of Nicham Avelim that came from um, other Gedolim and other great people um, in, during times of mourning. It's it's now when I say that the book is very very uh, tragic, it is very tragic and very overwhelming because it t- you just see um, you know hundreds of entries of different Gedolim that wrote um, words of Nechama, mostly letters. Um, to people who are, you know, in very, very painful situations, whether their parent passed away, their spouse passed away, or their child passed away. It's really those three elements. Now, why? Are, what's the benefit of studying the safer? Well, obviously, Rahman Latzlan is somebody who's going through a tragedy. That's definitely important. As a psychologist myself, um, I have worked with lots of clients through grief counseling, and especially in the Jewish community, and I've found this to be a very, very um, helpful resource. Uh, the, the Hebrew Safer was a phenomenal Safer as well, and I'm really, really happy that they translated it. Um, in the translation, Rav Daniel was very, very humble, in my opinion, because he really could have easily translated everything himself, and he's a very, very able-bodied Tamil Chacham. But what he actually did was he actually culled a lot of his works from three main sources. So one of them is some um, magazine articles, for example, Ami, Mishpacha, and other ones that actually throughout the years have had different translations that they had, and he just culled it from there uh, sometimes. Um, which is, I think, you know, very humble because he could have easily just cited it himself. The second one is from a book, Longing for Dawn, by Rav Nachman Bulman Zetzal, which is a Feldheim book, um, and a phenomenal book on, you know, understanding death, which he called a lot of this from. And then the third one um, was also from a Sefer that um, talks all about um, death and um, a number of others for him as well. But um, I'll get to that when I when I when I start quoting it. So. Um, there's a couple of different R's that I've gained from reading through this. And again, I think that everyone in life is always struggling with different things. And I think that overall, if you read the safer, um, you know, just kind of like going through it um, to understand death and mourning, I think on the one hand, it's inspiring. On the other hand, again, it's very overwhelming because it's just really, really sad. Um, so one thing that I've learned is that I kind of read it and I wanted to look at how Gedolim deal with loss. And I kind of developed a style of around six things. Um, and I'll tell you the first one that was very surprising to me. Um, and it's not the f- most important, but it is something that I thought was very interesting. Most of the letters are very short. For example, you know, letters written by Ramosha Feinstein, Shach, the Stipler, Rechaim Kanievsky, Rav Pinchas Menachem Alter, Rosef Chaim Sonnenfeld, all these letters that they have. He has about 116, 120, something like that. Um, they're all short. And what I realized is that part of the Yidom Aran is like, you don't have to be lengthy. There are a few here and there that are lengthy, but most of them, and even that lengthy is like a page or two. And it's not because they cut it out. Some of them, many of them, I looked up the originals and they were just very, very short. And the reason is because Nichol Abelim should be short. It doesn't have to be a large letter. Yes, I understand that it's meaningful if we write, you know, memories of the deceased. But sometimes, especially from coming from these Gedolim, sometimes less is more. The next component is that almost every letter started off with an outpouring of love and and being shattered and, and, and pain about what happened. And that's so phenomenal for these gadolim that they're expressing. I'm just so broken about what what happened. And they're just it's so human and it's so raw. And that's phenomenally um, inspiring and deep and, and, and something that I really, really cherish seeing that vulnerable side 
uh, and that and that love. The next thing, number three, Mahara, is that um, many of them excuse and apologize for not being able to be there. For example, you know, I'm sick or I'm out of the country or I'm not with you, but I wanted to write this to you. And I think that's also phenomenal because in a, in a time of need, people want to know, where are you? Why didn't you show up? Um, or some of them write, you know, I wish I could be there longer with you, etc. Like one of them was a letter that was written while someone was on his way to Eretz Yisrael, moving the entire yeshiva there. And there was a tragedy that hit the yeshiva in 1925. So that's also a phenomenal thing. So number one is they're all they're all very short. Number two is they all talk about how shattered and broken they are. Number three is um, they talk about a um, apology for not being able to give more, which I thought was phenomenal. Number four is a lot of them call um, very small attention to their own life experiences. For example, many Gedolim lost wives, children, parents, at young ages, etc. And I'll, I'll go through some of that as we read through it. It's, it's probably, it's, it's shocking actually how much that's happened. Um, and number five is there's a tremendous amount of tzidikah din of recognizing that Hashem runs the world and we don't really understand this world. And I want to just tell you one story that there's a famous Chazanish, which he quotes over here, which is a very beautiful story. And the Chazanish says that if you if you know there's an expert tailor who's who's a phenomenal seamstress and just knows what he's doing in, in every which way, and you walk to a store and you look in, in horror and you see he's holding this beautiful suit and all of a sudden he's cutting it up to pieces. So obviously you know in your head that this guy knows what he's doing and there's a reason. Maybe he maybe there was something that got ripped on there. Maybe there was something that needed to be fixed. He got a new order. He's turning it to something better. I know for, in, in all my mind this guy isn't crazy. He's doing something. And it's the same thing with the Rebbeinu Shalom, that we have to know that the Rebbeinu Shalom is the expert tailor, so to speak, and he he tailors our lives into the exact way that they're supposed to be. And that tremendous amount of tzedek din is hard to swallow because as humans, we look and we see the world and it's so tragic and painful. But there's a tremendous amount of tzedek din I'm understanding that. That's sort of Paulo. We don't understand. I thought of another muscle that for me was powerful as well. So you have a guy who comes to shul and he knows that he's you know, a decent hush of person and he kind of expects that he's going to get an aliyah, but then he goes through and he doesn't get an aliyah. And then, um, so, you know, he says, okay, well, I shouldn't get coin. You throw, you know, Levy, I'm not, a, I'm not a coin or a Levy, fine. Maybe, you know, maybe, or maybe he was, whatever. And he's waiting for Moftir, okay. Or, you know, so he goes, each Aliyah passes. He says, all right, they're giving me Shlishi. All right, they're giving me Shishi. They're giving me Shvi. And then Moftir is called and he gets nothing. So he says to himself, you know what? What's wrong with this guy? I can't believe it. The Gabai, okay, maybe he says he doesn't see me, doesn't know me. But if he did, what a chutzpah. And then all of a sudden at the end, he gets called up. For Hagba. And Hagba is Notel Schar Kulam. He gets the Schar of all them. So at the moment when he literally lost it and said, now I know for sure this guy's a horrible person. I'm never dabbing the shul. That's when he actually recognized that, no, I I, I have a reason to dabbing in the shul. And I shouldn't question the, the Gaba. He actually knows what he's doing. The Rebbeinu Shalom is certainly a lot more full of wisdom and, and calculation than that. So, again, a lot of them talk about their own personal losses, which is very, very poignant and very, very heartbreaking. And also there's there's a tremendous amount of Tzidika Din. Um, two more things, even though I think I said it was six, but another, another two things are at number one is that many of them actually talk about the idea that the deceased is not really gone. They're, they're just, they've gone to a better place. They're in Eretz Yisrael, they're away, they're out of the country, they're with Hashem. And I think that that's a tremendous amount of Nechama to recognize that. Um, and the last thing is, again, part of that is like understanding that this person lived their purpose and the whole purpose of life is so that we can get closer to Hashem. And that's something that they did. Um, okay, so in the Hagdama on page XXV, so he talks about Tzor Tampolo. So he quotes from Shlomo Pappenheim that what is the word Tzor Tampolo? It comes from the word Tzor HaChayim. And so um, that's the shot that Hashem ties together all of the loose strings of history. Um, and that is a, a phenomenal um, point that he brings out. And really, it's a very, very beautiful um, mashal. He also brings down from Mikhtam Leo. 
um, volume two, page 54, that if you have a map that's covered over with paper, so it's impossible to see it. So if you put a hole in the city, all of a sudden, uh, in the paper, all of a sudden you see a city. By moving it slightly over, you could peek through and see another city. So you're able to look at two cities independently, but you don't understand what you're looking at and how they're connected. By simply removing the paper, you would see how, they're, how they are actually all connect, connected through highways. Whoever Dessler says the same thing, our world's view is very, very myopic. And so we see nothing. We don't have the whole picture, but that's part of a Sur Tambalo that Hashem has the whole picture, and that's an important way of looking at life. And I, I thought that was very, very humble and very, very powerful. Um, okay, there's another fascinating one that Ravionison Ipschitz has a shtickle that um, when his brother-in-law, Rav Zalman Tarni, passed away in 1743, he wrote a letter of strength to Rav Zalman's wife, Krindel Tarni, and all of her children. So one of the things he wrote is that, is there a reason to feel pain in a dream? And again, a lot of them write about, I actually forgot to mention this also, a lot of them write about how life is fleeting and how really we're here to do Hashem's will and we have a purpose in life. And that's also very, very humbling as we go through, all of us go through pain in life and the pain and suffering that we go through in life really humbles us. Um, and, it, and again, I found myself you know, crying many times reading this safer because it's just a phenomenally painful um, thing to talk about the losses that people had, but also very, very beautiful and inspiring. And, and, and a lot of times some of my tears were pain, but some of my tears were just inspiration. I found it very, very inspiring. But again, I had to like really go through it very slowly because I found it very overwhelming as well, just dealing with, you know, 293 pages of death. But I do think it's important in life because we all have frustrations and understanding how to comfort others and how to comfort ourselves is very, very important. And again, like Rahman Latsan, um, I've seen many, many people who have gone through, you know, losses of death, etc., um, that have really, really gained this. So one of the things that Jonas says is that when one is one is not upset by what happens in a dream, and that's our entire life is really a dream. And when we wake up, then the dream is over, and that's what Mashiach is. And again, you know, it's very, very humbling. Um, really, really powerful. Um, Rav Yisrael Elio Weintraub writes a um, letter of condolence. <clears throat> this is on page 74. So... Um, he says that um, that why is it that we that we talk about hamakom minachem eschem? Why do we say that? So he says because hamakom means that Hashem is so distant from us. What does that mean? That means that we don't understand Hashem. Hashem is away from us, and that's why we say the word hamakom because it's showing that we're so far from understanding Hashem's wisdom, and we have to recognize that. And that is a comfort in itself to realize that yes, everything that happens is, is from Hashem, and everything is for a good reason, uh, even though we can't see it and we can't understand it. So. Then there's a shtickle on page 125 from Revolba. So that's all. He actually has a lot of um, interesting shtickles. And this was actually a letter of consolation he wrote in Ali Shar that was supposed to be a guidance after his own patira. Um, that's the truth, really, what it was. And if you read it, it's on page 123. It's, it's very, very powerful. And he writes like this. I want to tell you about my feelings when I was orphan of my parents. All people feel an urge to come closer to mitzvahs and do good deeds at times of mourning. Even people who are non-observant come to say Kaddish, put on talis and tefillin. There's a deep reason. Chazal teaches there are three partners. It's a good morning, Kedushin, Daflamid, and Beis. A child is used to seeing only his father and his mother. Hashem, the third partner, is invisible. However, when the physical partners leave the world, there's an inner feeling in the person that pushes him closer to the third partner. That's a phenomenally deep and powerful statement. And one whose faith is strong feels this in a concrete way. My father and mother have left me, but Hashem is funny. Hashem has gathered me in. And that's a phenomenal thing. And he says, these are my feelings of the days of my shiva for my parents. This is what I pass on to you, my beloved children. But know this, the most important message to bear in mind is that any age, especially orphans, is, is to be firm in Amunah, to sense Hashem's providence, etc. Ayan Shum, phenomenally powerful statement. 
Um, and again, just going through, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein lost a child to whooping cough when he was a young baby, Pesach, who was named after his his Rebbe, Rav Pesach Pushkin. That was his oldest child, and he you know he writes about it tragically. My Rebbe, Rav Fran Greenbat, lost a daughter very very young. Um, I believe she died on Shemini in the seventies. Um, Rav Shach lost a daughter, Mirala, who was also around fourteen. Um, that's a fascinating story in itself because Rav Shach's daughter passed away in nineteen thirty nine, and he Rav Shach and his wife were so broken by it. It was his oldest daughter, they were, and his mother had also just died as well. Um, he was so broken by the loss that he went to Reb Chaim Ozer, and Chaim Ozer advised him and his wife to move to Eretz Yisrael, and because of that death, they actually survived the Holocaust. Now, again, you could say, oh, it's Hashkach Hashem. Of course it is, but I'm saying it doesn't bring back the pain, you know, the pain of that child, but there was a loss there, and that's something, you know, even from the time of the Gemara, Rev Yochanan said, this is the bone of my 10th child. He had buried 10 sons, like Rashi says in Brachos. So that is a very comforting thing for other people to see. Uh, the Pnei Menachem lost children, I think two children. Um, many, many people that have lost children. Rav Chaskel lost uh, his son-in-law, uh, that he had made the Shidduch, um, Rav uh, uh, Ephraim Mordechai Ginsburg, um, Rav Lazar Ginsburg's father, who died very, very young. Um, many, many people who lost. Chavetz Chaim lost his son, who was 23. <clears throat> um, so many, many people who lost children, um, which is really, really powerful. Uh, the Chavetz Chaim actually quotes his son. I actually just learned it in my... Um, in my Mishabur Yomi. So it's in Ber Halacha and Hilcha Shabbos 332 and Likuti Halacha's introduction also, where he mentions that this is, he got, he literally had Ksavim from his son. He says he was tremendous Tamil Chacham. But this is what Hashem decided. I too was stricken in the winter with a blow, the passing of my son, Avraham Alavashalom, who was a great Tamil Chacham, two, page 213, two, with a wondrously penetrating mind whose like was hard to find in our generation. Now I have what one consolation. I'm hopeful that I will not be ashamed of him after 100 years. After this life on earth, when I face the Kisa covered, could you imagine those words? Could you imagine what it could do? You realize what I just said, what the Chavetz Chaim wrote. Now I have but one cons- consolation I am hopeful that I will not be ashamed of him after a hundred years when I face the Kisa covered. Wow, wow. And the Chavetz Chaim himself said that now that he lost his son, he's going to fill in that space with his love that he had for his son, and he's going to fill it with his love for Hashem, which is just so amazing and mind boggling. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> there's another letter about from Rechatzka Levenstein to his daughter, Rebetzin Zlata Malka Ginsburg, when her other son died. Um, that was her Laser Ginsburg. Um, um, what's it called? That's, 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 that's Ephraim Mordechai Ginsburg, sorry, was the one that I mentioned. He also died very young. So Rechatzka wrote this letter in 1962 when, when their son died. So he said, I contemplated the words of David Amalek. When he told this death of his son, he arose, washed himself, and changed his garments, he came to the house, and he explained it's time for fasting, behold, I'm going towards him, etc. Um, if we are strong in faith, it's easy for us to accept the decree of Hashem with love. For a number of years, Hashem left his soul with us as a trust. This is the meaning of Hashem Nassim, Hashem Lakach. It's a phenomenal thing. And then he writes this very scary thing, like Rav Chatzkel. I had a dream a few days earlier, before I received the news from you, meaning of the passing, from which I understood what, it, what was to happen. That's, I mean, that's that's creepy as well. Arya Cheskel Um... There's a lot of there's a number of letters from him, and then there is um, a letter from the Stipler on page two thirty nine. Do not wonder at all why Hashem did so, for the ways of Ashkach are hidden from humans. Um, and I just wanted to mention this as well. He says when a son, uh, the Chassam Sofer too lost a very beloved son. So did the Chavetz Chaim around twenty three twenty. He who is a phenomenal. He was phenomenal in Torah. This is the 23-year-old son that I mentioned before. And Chavetz Chaim said the love he had for his son would now be devoted to Hashem. That is to the love of Hashem. Do not delve at all to speculate why this had to come. 
Um, and that's really, really important. Also, Chai Adam had a son, Moshe Shalom, who passed away at age 20. And he wrote um, Matsevas Moshe, which is a Hilchus Avelis, And he wrote Zichur Torah's Moshe in his honor as well, which is a phenomenal thing as well. Um, and again, he brings down a lot of people that had losses. Moshe Feinstein is on page 250, 246. He says, where is this? Right. He talks about not crying more than more than is necessary. Um, I and show over there as well. And then he says, anyone who tells you, okay, it's forbidden to be pained and it is a futile pain. Anyone who tells you, even if he's a great Tom that you were to atone for it, meaning he, this guy thought that his daughter died because he was a Russia, you've already been completely atoned for. And he brings down many Gemaras or Moshe. This person needed a lengthy response because he was blaming himself for his daughter's death. He says, your loving friend or Moshe Feinstein. It's a phenomenal letter written in 1981, a couple years before Moshe passed away, six years before. Um, also, there's a story he brings down in the footnote, which is very Kadai. The Stabler came to console a father who had lost his young son. The father asked him, Chazal say in Bracha stuff, Hebed Aleph, that someone who sees affliction coming on him, he should be mafashish and What do I need to fix? The Stabler told him, you're wrong. The Chavetz Chaim said this Chazal were referring to their times, but today, when there's so much Hester upon him, we can't delve into anything. And also, he brings us, this is Kovit Sigros, uh, Volume 1, Letter 201, or if Shach added, when it's blatantly clear of and obviously one needs to rectify the action, there is something. However, in general, when one does not know, he must not start to probe. This is very, very important. When he starts to strengthen himself in Torah, concert in Tefillah and Brachos, those are the foundations of Amunah and Yerushimayim. Say for my say ish. And similarly, Rabbi Yasha was asked by a father who lost a son, what should I improve to do tshuva in? He responded, it's not necessary to make any changes to tshuva. One can't delve into Hashem's judgment. Hashem's ways are beyond our comprehension. Say for um, so we have to be very careful not to pass judgment and say we know why things happen. Um, page 250, Mordechai Schwab, who, uh, 1911 to 1994, um, he writes about, um, also, he wrote Chizik to someone who lost a child, and he also experienced his three-year-old son, Baruch Bear, was tragically hit by a car, ran into the street to retrieve his yarmulke, and he would tell people, I have eight children. This is, this is, a, this, this is gut-wrenching. He would listen to these words of a Balbi Tachan and a tremendous father. I have eight children. Seven are with me, and one is in Olam Haba. How could that not bring tears to your eyes if you think about what the purpose of this world is? By the way, one of the most tragic letters that I read in this entire book that also was just so gut-wrenching was there was a boy in America that uh, in 1925, on the day of his bar mitzvah, he was hit by a car and died. Could you imagine the tragedy? And the Gedolim sent him, sent the family uh, condolences. Um, so... Yeah, this is really, really, really powerful. Um, again, the Chavetz Chaim writes, he quotes, that since in the mind of a person we are so small, we should not probe to, to question Hashem. And he says, I also heard that many... Um, it is well known that there are many that souls are all Gilgulim, as Chavetz Chaim writes over there, and that's Sefer Shem Olam, and the name of that Rizal, uh, all Neshamas are Gilgulim. I heard that stillborns are the loftiest souls who have already corrected everything. And this is a famous story. I'll tell you where I heard this story. I heard this story at a Leviah of someone that passed away. And this person, of a, I'm sorry, of a, of, a, of a young child that passed away. And um, the Rav who was giving the husband actually did a very good job explaining this. And basically, I'm going to leave off with a couple of quick thoughts, but this is really, um, this is a story. It's on page 252. It's not exactly as it's shown here, but I'm going to bring it down the way I heard it. Um, so this was a story that um, I was at a Leviah of a, um, I believe it was a little girl, a friend of mine, they lost their child, just tragically just passed away. Whatever the medical complications were, just passed away at age three or so. Or so. Little cute kid. And uh, it was very, very gut-wrenching. It's always gut-wrenching to, you know, to be at a Leviah that's totally against the order of the normal world, what we expect. And the person who was speaking was Rosh Hachatavitz from Baltimore. And he said that he heard the story 
um, from when a relative of his had a stillborn and they were um, burying this child. So this is this is the story. Ready? So he heard this story while they were burying this child. Um, his Rebbe, Rav Nisim Kaplan, told him a story. And Rav Nisim Kaplan told him, listen, it's important you get, you get the Masora of it as well. Rav Nisim Kaplan said to him that when I was burying my stillborn, I heard this story from Rev Shmuel um, Arbach. And Rav Shmuel Arbach said that when I was burying, Rav Shmuel Arbach and his wife Rachel never had children. Apparently they had one stillborn. And when I had this stillborn, and was buried, whatever this means exactly, you know, um, and we lost this child. So um, my father, Rav Shlomo Zalman Arbach, told me the story. And he said it in the name of Zakanim that he heard it from, Basham the Vilna Gaon. So listen to this. Um, so basically, there was a child that was born in Vilna. And, and this child uh, was very, very young and died. And the family was just absolutely distraught. And so the Vilna Gaon came to me in Al This is the story that I heard. And Vilnagon said that I will tell you exactly what happened. This baby of yours was a Gilgal of the Gertzedek Avram and Avram who was killed by Kedesh Hashem. His Hashem went up to Shemayim and the chambers opened up for everything. And they said that he had every single zechus. He died like Kedesh Hashem. He lived, he changed his entire life. He gave up everything for Torah. And he's a phenomenal person. The one thing he doesn't have is that he wasn't born Jewish because he had to convert. And so the Gertzedek said, so send me back down to the world, to, to a Jewish mother, a Jewish family. He said, yeah, we could do that, but it's very risky because if you go back down, you could do a virus. People go down, they get they get distracted. So he said, well, just let me be born and then let me die. That is my whole Tafkid. So the Vilnagon said that this baby was was the Gogol of Avram and Avram, and he reached his perfect Shlemus, and that's why he came back. And um, what I want to say about this is that Rosh HaTavit said something that I believe he got from all these other people, but it was the most appropriate thing in my opinion. And he said, there's no one alive today there's no one alive between now and then that I, probably that could ever tell any parent that's the reason their child died. And we should never even try to say that that's that we know a reason why, because the Rebunishan runs the world. But once we hear an inkling of an understanding in one story, that could also bring us comfort to know that the Rebunishan knows exactly what he's doing. And that's phenomenal and appropriate and very, very powerful. Um, and that's that's really what it comes down to, to understand that. Um, because, you know, there's always stories. There's even a story in here, which I will quote, which again, you know, this was very... Um, interesting thing. So he brings down on page 258 from Igor's Chaznish, that again he writes, it's impossible to identify a specific reason and such perspective will actually elevate you into a room that is not correct and will hurt you. So a person should be careful not to do that. And um, again, Rav Yochan would use his experiences to inspire others. Page 266 uh, from Shlomo Volba, he says that there was that once when he was in Kelm, one of the Bakram died. He drowned in the, in the ocean. And his father came to the Levaya, the altar of Kelm, spent hours with him talking. And and this person was a pushit. He didn't understand that much. But when he walked out, he said, my son is not, hasn't died. He went somewhere else. He wasn't in denial. He said, my son went to be with Hashem, but he's living his true, genuine life. And he's really alive and well. And that is the greatest nechama that he got from the altar of Kelm. On page 271, he brings down from Ram Ginoshevsky, a very fascinating thing. And he says that... Um, that Rav Shach came to be Menachem Abel when he was sitting Shiva for his son who passed away due to an illness and said, you know, told, Rav Shach told over the story that basically he was far away from his wife who was um, taking care of their oldest daughter, Mirla, who was in the hospital in Vilna for tuberculosis. And his wife was in Kletsk in 1939 um, when she died. And um, I didn't know where we should go because we were thinking about traveling. But the thing that really pushed him there to Israel was this story and, and the passing. And so I took two envelopes and I was going to um, 
try to mail one to each of the locations to find out more about whether we can move there. I assume one of them was Chutzlaritz, and obviously one of them was Eretz Yisrael. And he said, I got to the to the um, to the mailbox, and I was about to drop in the one. I decided that it was the Chutzlaritz one. We were going to go somewhere else, but maybe it was Vilna. I don't know where he was going to move. He obviously, would have been killed by the Nazis. And all of a sudden, the postmaster yelled at me and said, just drop your thing in. Stop wasting time. And he put it in. And, he, and he, he told him to drop the one of Eretz Yisrael. And that's the one he mailed. And again, like I said, Rechaim Moser um, ended up telling him, you know, after his daughter died, that that's where he should go. Um, the, 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 he grabbed the, the postmaster grabbed the other one from my hand and threw it in the box and charged me the postage. Um, so, and, and again, she said that Rashach's wife, Ethel, I think her name was, she said that she was so broken from the, the, uh, the loss of their daughter that they just had to move. And it, again, it ended up helping them survive the war in that way. Um, Ravram Erlinger lost his son, the Berchus Avram, who died in 2021. He lost his son. Um, page 280. And he says also that um, the famous story about the Chassam Sofer said that when Nassim Adler's daughter passed away, he also lost um, that he was able to control his tears on Shabbos. Ayin Sham, obviously that's not the Madriga that we're on at the least bit. And Elioli Apian says the very famous thing that um, that it's astounding to look at Rav Yochanan that at the time when his son was you know dying, he was burying his son. He he took a a bone that he was able to keep, but it didn't have to be buried for whatever reasons. And you know he was able to comfort other people. That's a gullies. Think about other people. And finally, the last story that I mentioned earlier was um, I don't want to leave off with it, so I'm going to leave off with it with with two more thoughts. One of them is that Rav Yosef Erlinger, who was a son of the famous Rav Ram Erlinger, the, this is Rav, Rav Schwab's grandfather. Yosef was was um, the son of Rav Ram Erlinger, and Rav Ram Erlinger was Rav Schwab's grandfather. Yosef was tragically killed in a car accident after his mother died in the 1918 flu pandemic. That was the that was the one before COVID, and his father was terribly saddened. But Rafal Ellinger had a dream, and his mother Bertha came to him and said, "Let your father know he's mourning too much, and remind him and tell him that when I was pregnant with Yosef, Eliyahu Navi came to me in a dream and told me two things. He said I would live for a hundred years, and that, the, and that the baby would be a stillborn. And I pleaded with him that the child should be allowed to live and be given years for my long life. That was the end of the dream. And in the morning, Rafal told his father, and they calculated Bertha's life, which I don't know, had been 80 years, and the child had been 20 years, something like that. And they were very comforted by that thought. The bottom line is that the Rebunshal runs the world. So I want to just review, and that is like this. In life, we all have different losses and different things that we go through. And the main purpose is we don't understand how Hashem works, and our job is to accept the Rebbein Shalom and to get close to Him and to recognize that Hashem's Kilo Hashem says, I promise you could trust me, um Hashem. you don't think the way I think, and I didn't create you to think that way. And in this world, it's Choshech, and you're looking at a map, and you can't see everything. But the Gedolim, they comforted with love, and they comforted with an outpouring of emotion. Um, there was a story that they brought down that Roshach, after some Bachram, four Bachram had died in the yeshiva, and this, this guttle said at the Torah Mussorah convention that they saw Rav Shach and he was exhausted three days after, and but they saw him learning all day. So this guttle said, like, what, what they asked Rav Shach, are you okay? Are you sick? He said, what do you mean? Of course I'm sick. I couldn't sleep the last three days because I'm so I'm so shooken up by it. So he said Rav Shach was learning all day, but he couldn't sleep at night. He said, us, we went to sleep at night. We were able to avoid the pain, but... but you know, during the day we couldn't learn. So Rav Shach was such a gullah that he couldn't sleep for three days because he was in so much pain. The Gedolim felt the pain of the other people. It's it's phenomenal. Rav Dessler writes such with such sensitivity towards his mother died very very tragically. By the way, it's brought down in this story as well. She like she got um, she got caught on fire when she was preparing a tea for her husband, and she fell down. She went outside to go roll in the snow, and she fell down the steps and ended up 
you know, in the hospital, etc. And she, you know, Rodessa writes that he's concerned for his wife because she took such good care of her, and and his daughter. She's so sensitive. You know, it's just the, the the phenomenal understanding of Gadolim and the sensitivity and the love that's in there is really, really very breathtaking and very, very emotionally um, stirring. But the idea is that. We have to accept that the Rebbe Shalom runs the world. He's a makom. He's far from us. We don't understand how his machshavos work. He's close to us in that he comforts us and he stays with us. But his machshavos and his calculations of how he orchestrates the world are, are totally beyond all human hasaga that we can never understand. Anything we go through in life that's a, that's a challenge is way beyond our hasagas. And the Rebbe Shalom knows what he's doing. The Rebbe Shalom is an expert seamstress and, and tailor and he knows what he's doing your Shalom is is a gabai who doesn't mess up it doesn't forget to give you the aliyah that you're supposed to get he knows what covered your for and like the gemara says in, in in yuma everybody gets what they're supposed to get and i want to leave off that when i was at levi of a good friend of mine rahman Litzlan, passed away at age 24 from leukemia so his grandfather is that's all um or schwartz uh, from chicago so he said that everyone's life is complete. Everyone's life is a masechta. There are some masechtas like Baba Basra. It's 176 daf. There are some that are 100. There are some that are 50 and 90. And and there are some that are short. There are some that are short. But everyone's a complete masechta. And that's an important thing to, to think about in life. That the Rebbe Shalom gave each of us our own complete masechta. And our job is to be the greatest people we could be. And to understand that Hashem put us here for a reason. And even though there's a lot of tragedy around us, there's also a lot of good and beauty around us that we could enjoy. And the Rebbe Shalom doesn't want us loses that he doesn't want us to fall apart after a death. He wants us to take time to mourn and to understand. And he wants us to take to to go through a healing process when we when we lose things, which is a very normal and natural thing. He came to give our husband and to and to cry. Hashem wants us to be normal, healthy people. But we also have to understand that there's a bracha that a leave and that we move forward. One of the most powerful stories, um, which is from the ashes uh, of uh, Blau, uh, Rav Lau, the, uh, one of the, the past chief rabbi, now his son is the chief rabbi. Um, so he writes a phenomenal thing. He writes about his love and his connection with many Gedolim. And I remember it was very poignant, especially when he talks about his love of Rishlomo Zalman Arbach, who was like a father to him and who adopted him. So he says when, when Rishlomo pa- Zalman passed away in 1995, I think it was, he said, a part of me is left with darkness and there's a hole in my heart. And I think that that's a very appropriate thing. There are lots of holes in our hearts. There are people in our lives that have passed away. Let's, let, let's be real. There, there are things in our lives that have that, that are gone and they're sad and they hurt sometimes also but the Rebona Shalom runs the world and he knows exactly what our purpose is and how long we're supposed to be here and everything in between I remember that when my Rebbe Rosh Hazali Rubenstein that's all passed away at the end of 2013 in December 2000 it was a very very shocking thing and I called my Rebbe Rafael Greenblatt for comfort and little did I know that they passed away seven days apart and that Rafael Greenblatt passed away literally four days after I spoke to him and I said to him, what, how am I supposed to t- understand this? He said, Baruch Dayan Emes, he was a good man, and he told me, uh, Hespin, he said, your job is to take his mitos and his life and his legacy and what he lived and to carry that on yourself and to know that he brought himself into Olam Haba and he brought himself closer to Hashem, and that's the greatest aliyah for his neshama, and that's the greatest thing for you. And that was that was the last conversation I had with my Rebbe, Rafael Greenblatt, who also passed away a few days later, literally. He was 83, he had a diabetic attack, whatever it was. So we never know how long we have. Our job is to connect to Hashem. Our job is to know that Hashem runs the world and is watching over us, and there's an exact time for each of us. But when we do that, that could bring a whole perspective to our lives. So I hope this inspired somebody, and I invite your feedback if you have anything to share. Yosefchropper at gmail.com. And may Hashem wipe away all tears and bring the ultimate Ula Shlema, which will answer all of our questions.